of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. The primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for a lot of years now. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what I attempt to do is I try and show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience with the book. And if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in here tonight. How many of you have been here for, before and can witness that happen? So those of you online, you can't see it because of the anonymous nature of our fellowship. But a significant number of them raised their hand to let you know that in 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking about a sensory experience. You will feel it. It's tangible. And when you experience it, we'll call it to your attention because we'll know. I'll know. I'll call it to your attention because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without a demonstration of that power. Fair enough? So tonight we're going to no doubt experience some highs and lows as we take a look at who we've been, what happened, and what we are like now or are hoping to grow into is really more what we're professing by tonight, but we're looking at five, six, and seven, and we tie them together because they naturally go together. It's kind of the breaking point. So are we ready to launch? Uh, Sean wants us to announce that it is Founders Day today. Thank you, Sean. Is this an appropriate celebration for Founders Day? Oh, yeah. All right, then. Well, now we know why we all made it here. So you'll find the instructions for step five in chapter six of your book, page 72. Those of you following along in the book, we always encourage people to follow along in a book because this is an experience that these people had, not an experience I necessarily had or you necessarily had or anyone you've met in the fellowship necessarily had. They wrote down their witness to a profound experience they had and so we don't want someone else including me reading your book for you unless you're the kind of person who went to the dope house and said here's my 20 give it to him he's going to tell me how it feels. <laughs> but if you're not that guy then you want your own book you want your own experience right? Okay, so, so we're in chapter 6, Into Action, and it says, Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? Did any of you wonder what you were doing about it? Or did you have someone guiding your steps? Oftentimes in the modern fellowship, someone's kind of coaching us in what we're doing about it, right? Okay. So it says, We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and to discover obstacles in our path. Is that what you've been trying to do? How many of you knew that's what you were trying to do? Some of us, some of us when we get here, we just want the immediate problems to go away. So although someone may have explained in detail what we're about to do, we do, yeah, 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 where's the me not obsessing about killing myself go? And I don't mean this way, I mean this way. Yeah? So, 
so sometimes we think we're just trying to get sober. We don't know that we're trying to get a new relationship with our creator. And half the original fellowship were atheists or agnostics. So they clearly did not know at the beginning of their journey they were trying to get a new relationship with a creator they did not believe in. True? So does that fit anyone here? Because what these guys do, we have to know who we is. They explain to you based on their experience, demographics being half atheist or agnostics, the other half believers dying in addiction, they found that although they thought one way, their experience changed their mind. And they learned as they wrote this book that my relationship with creation is my, my relationship with creator. And so most of us don't get here on a winning streak, true? So if we're having a difficult time in creation, might want to check in with creator. So I need a new relationship with creator because I was having a bit of, of a shit show with creation. And sobriety doesn't immediately fix that either, right? How many of you have been sober and still had some difficulty in creation? Hence, a manner of living, right? Yeah. It's not an event, it's a journey, all the quotes. Okay, so that's why we're trying to get a new relationship with our creator and discover the obstacles in our path. How many of you have discovered that what you thought were the obstacles in your path were, in fact, the path itself? The process teaches us that. Okay, so we've admitted certain defects and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the wheel. Okay, how many of you didn't know that's what we were trying to do? Okay, that's why it helps to have a guide to explain what the process does. Not what you should do, what I once feared, what I did in spite of that fear and what I experienced as a result. And if you want the result that draw, drew you to me, you might want to do what I did. And if not, we'll still be friends and we'll talk next time. Okay? All right. So, so now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we've admitted to God. When we say God, what are we talking about? Power. Because half of them were atheists or agnostics. So we call their attention to the power of God, not a theology they may have rejected. Right? So where do we find this power? Deep down inside. How many of you have found you lied to you? How many of you found there were consequences you didn't recognize because of your lying to you? Because if the power's found within me, and I'm lying to the power within me, then I'm liable not to experience the sort of radical transformation that I desire. Yeah? How many of you believe addiction is a mental illness? Not sure? How many of you had a sincere intention? You knew logically what you were doing to yourself wasn't good, wasn't safe. How many of you could manifest no outwardly action to show you knew it? That's what insane people do. Insane people don't know they're insane. Just helping you have a little first step refresher. There were no hands up, Sean. I had, to, I had to walk them back. Okay, so this requires action on our part, which when completed will mean we've admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. Now, in order to do that, I would have had to take a look at what the exact nature of my defects are, 
which is where I'm going to learn the facts about myself, what I was like, what happened, what I hope to be like in the future. I, all, I discovered all of that in four, and now I'm about to get some clarity by talking it to somebody else and then running against this power that I've found that's going to inform my steps. To make sense? Yeah. Okay. So it says this brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. And then they go right to the experience. This is perhaps difficult. How many of you could see its difficulty from a long way off and rejected it altogether? So that's an experience that's common, so they want to acknowledge that right away. We know it's hard. I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt I'd made much progress had I not taken action. Here's the action I took. This is what I experienced as a result. Okay. So especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. How many of you shared that thought with them? <laughs> Any of you ever been in the, well, I sh probably shouldn't have done that, but I hope no one saw it. <laughs> How many of you have had lingering thoughts, self-doubt, resentment that kept you tethered to an event you'd survive but you were still dying from? It's really important that we start realizing I'm no longer suffering from what they did. I'm suffering from my thoughts about what they did. And until I help you through that difficult experience by bearing witness to the grace that brought me through that experience, it will linger as a chain in my mind. Okay? So we think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves because that's our initial plan A, right? They didn't see. There's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. How do you gain actual practice? We tried to, tried to avoid doing anything with it, and all of us have tried it. And so this is what, we're not saints, but we are willing to grow along spiritual lines, right? So this is the first, getting, getting used to not dragging chains we don't need to drag. Okay, so... Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. How many of you say, I don't mind doing something drastic, but give me some good reason because I'm frightened of it? Yeah. How many of you aren't that eloquent and you just go, fuck that? <laughs> Same, right? I, I know who I'm talking to. I know my audience, my peeps say... <laughs> So the best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. How many of you came here to overcome your addiction? How many of you here just resting? <laughs> Truth is, we don't really know. How many of you came here, thought you were here to overcome something, and then found out you thought you were, maybe you are just resting, and all of a sudden you are trying to grab onto something? Okay, so, so do you want to risk your newfound life on... Anyway, all right, so time after time, newcomers have tried to hold, keep to themselves certain facts about their lives, trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. How many of you did everything you thought you were supposed to do based on your experience in fellowships and still had difficulty? Okay, did anyone ever explain to you there is no rest of the program? Because we're not very clear about that. 
The fellowship's the fellowship. They have no requirements. They say the only requirement is to stop drinking and, right? But I've been to rooms for 30-some years. I've never met an arbiter of desire at the door. <laughs> so I can assure you, whether we claim to have requirements or not, we really don't have any requirements in the fellowship. There are requirements of me, by me, if I want to grow spiritually, and they discuss them here because I'm going to start wanting to grow and God doesn't care about prayers I don't care about, so I better get honest with the power within me or I'm not going to get the result I'm hoping for. Yeah? Okay. So there is no rest of the program. When I made my third step decision, I agreed with this power if you will keep me free and progressively release me, I will advocate for my brothers and sisters as long as I have breath. That's my decision. So we think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. How many of you did a complete inventory, wrote down your cards, started making your amends, maybe you dished one card a little soon? <laughs> but you didn't really keep working with people, didn't get your hand out to the new guy, take them through the process. See, the house cleaning really starts when we start using our experience to help another. That I still have a whole head, a manufacturing plant for old ideas. And I don't even know what they are until I encounter you and I know my judgment's stopping me from helping you and I confront my judgment instead of you and then we grow together. Does it make sense? Okay. So they took inventory all right but hung on to some, some of the worst items in stock. So how many of you having done an inventory and started working with others can now see that you did indeed do that? We hold on to our sarcasm. We hold on to our judgment in certain areas. We hold on to our pride in certain areas. Yes? Okay. So they only thought they'd lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. They put the word thought in italics. Why do you imagine they wanted to call emphasis on those words? The problem centers in the mind. Did you know that you cannot think or act your way into a state of being? You wouldn't because people don't tell us that. You know, they, they tell you to do this or do that, but I can't think my way into a selfless state of being because the minute I'm aware of self, there I are. <laughs> so it's going to require a power greater than me, which is accesses me best when I'm focused on how to help you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So it says, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. Put the word all in italics. Why would you think they would call that to our attention? And there's no right answer or wrong answer, but how many of you have been doing this long enough to know that you didn't know much about all your life story when you started and it's still playing out and you just started to live when you made a decision. Yeah, see, we don't know nothing about all our life story because I've been the living dead all these years and now I've decided to seek life and now I'm out trying to share life with others and now that story's being told in my walk, not my talk. Okay. All right, so more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Anyone relate? <laughs> Substitute any word you want for alcoholic. Okay. He's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. So do you have a persona 
that you like to perfect in certain circles? Well, we all, we all have a persona, and then we have an idea we like to hold about ourselves, and sometimes the idea that I hold about me is not how you perceive me. And sometimes neither one of your perception of me nor my perception of how you should be perceiving me are true. It can be very confusing. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. Now they're described between you and you. Here's what I want to be. Here's what I know myself to be. How many of you discovered neither of those are true, but the truth dwells in you, and whatever you can see from here can be if you're following that guidance, right? That's what we're trying to learn, the truth. Who I am and whose I am, the great reality, and then try and defend this high place as I walk through the world, okay? So it says the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. How many of you relate to the word sprees? <laughs> it's not just a drinking spree. Where's my, where's my behavioral addicts? I didn't have my coffee. I'm going to be a real shit today. <laughs> really? Well, then you go get your ass some coffee or stay away from the rest of us because that sounds like your baggage, not ours. Yes? Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembered. How many of you stone cold sober have had episodes you vaguely remember? Where's my ragers? May not even vaguely remember them. <laughs> you had to read them in the police report. Didn't have nothing in you. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like me. These memories are a nightmare. Somebody, we went quiet. Did you notice that? Some of, us, some of us went right to the nightmare that our memories can be. That's not who you are. Your memories are not who you are. That's what you were like, but that was never who you are. Yeah. Know that. Okay? He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. Where's the power found? You guys relate to pushing the memories far inside yourself? It's covering up my power. It's a terrible plan. How come it's all our plan? Hmm. He hopes he'll never see the light of day. He's under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. So my plan makes my existence intolerable, and the only way I can escape me is to ingest spirits. Because once I ingest spirits, I get free of me. Might not get free of law enforcement, but I'll get free of me. Okay. Some of you must know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Psychologists are inclined to agree with this. How many of you made it to a behavioral health professional along the way? Like eight of you. <laughs> Those of you that are visiting with us here, you've met one or two. And if you've ever been incarcerated, you've met more than that, even if it was from afar. Um, so we've spent thousands of dollars for examination. So how many of you have spent either your money or some insurance company's money 
to find out what's wrong with me. Okay, so we're with them. We've spent thousands of dollars for examinations. Did you tell them the whole truth? Did you follow their advice? We've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. You know why we want to call that to your attention, right? Because rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. And, and that path is the power, but the process of us revealing the power to us through us involves some preparations that we thought were not right. We, we thought it defined us. We thought it was our identity. Anyone in here thought you were what they told you you were as a result of the, how you were acting? See, that's a deception. You were never that. That's how you were acting. But it didn't change the fact of who you were. And some of these preparations set you up to be great messengers to people in dark places. Because you know what it means. You've been armed with the weapons of dark places in order to be the light where others dare not tread. Yes? Okay. So we've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Any of you relate to that? I'm paying this doctor thousands of dollars for informed medical opinion. I lie to get that opinion, and then I ignore the results of that opinion, and I'm real interested in what you think I should do. Doesn't ring true, does it? Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live longer happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. How many of you have thought really carefully about who you wanted to do it with? How many of you have allowed that careful thought to block you from asking anyone? That sometimes happens. How many of you had someone come up and tell you who you were going to do it with? I'm not suggesting something's right or wrong, but they're suggesting if I want to grow, it's going to have to come from within me. And we're not talking about anything external you possess. I'll know when I meet you that number one, I want to be unburdened, and number two, that you have something I need. You have inner peace, you have philosophical comfort, you have something about you that's remarkable even if I can't define it. Yeah? Okay. So, so those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must and of course will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So how many of you come from a faith that required confession? How many of you went to confession before you went to the dope house? <laughs> so the reason they, they, they're not saying your religious practice should be abandoned, they're saying don't replace your AA practice with your religious practice or vice versa. Honor your practice and then honor this new process you've been introduced to. Okay? So, so though we, have, may have, we have no religious connection, we may stu still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. Any of you ever had something that you needed protected by a confessional or no one here <laughs> ever had pending charges? <laughs> so sometimes when we work with somebody, we, they don't want to talk to us who are not protected, that, or the testimony is not protected 
you know, so you may work with people that need to tell certain elements of their story to someone that's confidential, okay? Um, we often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. How many of you have met clergy that are quick to see and understand your problems? How many of you have met them that misidentified your problem? So we're going to have to pay attention to whether they really, because see, my problem isn't my outward manifestation, it's my lack of identity. Not that I don't have one, that I don't know it. Does it make sense? Okay. So of course we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. How many of you have encountered people who do not understand alcoholics? My <laughs> <laughs> Emphasize X. How many of you have, uh, have encountered people who do not understand addicts or alcoholics in places you didn't expect to encounter them? So how many of you have encountered them in the rooms of AA? Yeah. That's why we draw the distinction between fellowship and program. They're not obligated to be able to understand. They may never have done the steps. They're not obligated to do that. How would they know the facts about themselves, much less you? But let's leave those people alone, because they have every right to be there spewing whatever they think is working for them. Let's talk about you who's worked with somebody and then got mad at them because they behaved exactly like someone like them should. <laughs> How many of you have had a little twist off on your own, got mad at you, and then justified... A whole bunch more of it. So clearly we don't have to go any further than here to find a person who does not understand alcoholics. Therefore, the main problem centers in the mind. True? Back to the insanity thing. This We search our acquaintance for a closed-mouthed understanding friend. Guys, how many of you is now blessed? How many of you... If you're honest, realize that when you first started here, you were neither closed mouth nor understanding. <laughs> so it, it, that recognition is good, and we should also know everyone beginning this journey starts in similar places, right? Okay. So perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be that one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or parents, which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So understand what, unaffected by what? Understanding that I'm in my search for the truth and unaffected by that truth. How many of you have sat down with somebody and then when you learned the truth about something they did, you misassigned that as something they were? That's an old idea. What they did is not who they are. But if I see it in you, I'm only recognizing it in me. I believe that false belief. See, that's an old idea. That's why working with others is so critical. Okay? So the rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing so ourselves with someone, it may be that, some, that one is so situated there is no suitable person available. Do you think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? Yeah, right? How many of you have been in county and you knew it wasn't safe to have keep something, a written record, or wherever? How many of you just were afraid to write anything down because I don't want to? Yeah. 
So it really doesn't matter why, because it, it won't work for them unless they honestly want to. Us, us thinking we're going to make someone through their steps is the silliest teaching I've ever heard. When, when their participation and honesty is absolutely required for their growth, it's complete nonsense. Okay? So they'll only do it because I witnessed to them what I experienced as a result. The same way I got them to try dope they'd never tried. Dude, you got to try this. It'll blow your freaking brain out. That's what it is, right? You just switch... You didn't switch dependency, you switched substance. We gave up the substances of the world, those synthetic substances, and we started seeking spiritual inebriation. That's what this whole book is about, how people who did not believe experienced liberation in the spirit, which was an inebriation of their senses. Ease and comfort in the world without going out in the world to get it. That's a handy little trick for an addict of the hopeless variety to know. Okay, so we say this because we're very anxious that we talk to the right person. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence that he fully understand and approve what we are driving at and he will not try and change our plan, but we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. So again, it's about you being honest with you. If you really can't do it, don't do it, but if you really can do it, ask yourself, what's, what's holding me back? It's all about you at this point. By the time you want to tell your story to me, I'm honored you want, to, want me to help you with your story, but I, I already know who you are or we wouldn't be talking. I already know who you are and whose you are because I get the signature of the Spirit even if you don't know. Okay. So when we decided who is to hear our story, we waste no time. So they told me how I'll react when I've made a decision. Remember when they told me how I would react when I made my third step decision? Next we launched. They're teaching us how to observe without judgment. You're either ready or you're not. You'll show me. I won't have to deduce. Right? Three frogs on a log. One makes a decision to jump. How many frogs are on the log? Three, because he just made a decision. He didn't jump. They wrote it down twice. Right? Okay. So we've written inventory and we're prepared to have a long talk. We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. How many of you, when you first started trying this, were equipped to find someone to help you with your story and then tell them why you had to do it? None of us, right? You knew? You told them? Never been to AA before? Never seen the book? You, you are magnificent, Sean. <laughs> the point is we're not expected to know, but they didn't know it when they wrote the book. And they wrote a book about an experience they had had based on an introduction that someone led them into the process. And they thought they could just mail this book out and people read it and recover on their own. They learned that wasn't true. There is a human impartation required. Okay? So, so most people approaching this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. We pocket our pride and go to it. They did, that's a pretty strong vision of... Like, there's something I really have to do because my mind is keeping me from becoming a better version of me. I'm allowing fear to steal that from me, and I need to pluck that fear out and put it in my pocket. Pocket my pride. Because fear drives it all. 
right? Okay. And then it goes on to say, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. What do they mean by every? Even that one little thing. And you, again, you don't know your whole life, so let's not get out in minutia. But that thing you don't think is significant, but it's significant enough to keep you from growing, it's significant. That thing you're afraid they won't like you when you tell it because you don't like you when you tell it. If I don't outgrow that, I'll never use that healing power to help another and I'll never complete my house cleaning in that matter of my life because I did not humble myself and trust God with my life and that secret to that man God gave me. You know what I'm saying? So we're not lecturing here. We're just saying, don't let fear steal the better version of you. Keep pocketing your pride. Okay? So once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. Now they're talking a state of being. So they had a promise and a condition. What did they tell you they did? They took the step withholding nothing, and they experienced delight. How many of you took the step, withheld a little something? <laughs> nothing serious. How many of you were surprised when the one you held it from said, okay, cough it up? <laughs> did they explain to you why? Or did you, do you guys know why? Why it's senseless to lie in your fifth step or hold back because those of us taking you through it we we like the flow of the spirit and when you cough it up we get a hit and i have always known when you were holding my hit <laughs> so you can lie to you but you cannot lie to me and we may not you know we may not wrestle about it would just change the subject. But understand, you're only blocking you. You're not blocking me. I came from my spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. Not yours. I, it's above my pay grade. What, Joe had to have God's help, the creator of heaven and earth, had to pull me out of a trash heap, and now all of a sudden I'm qualified to ensure your healing? Nonsense. I'm an instrument. If I do what I'm supposed to do and I show up and I pay attention, you will receive the healing because that's why God sent me but he sent me there so he could do it okay so once we have taken this step with holding nothing we are delighted we can look the world in the eye how many of you had so much guilt shame and remorse that you didn't really care about any of that but the idea that I could actually walk with my head up as something new, something different than what I thought myself to be was appealing because that's a promise that you will be delighted, that you'll be able to look yourself in the eye. They're going to talk about some more. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. How many of you have tried that perfect peace and ease thing? Alone. And found that wasn't achievable on human effort either. Any of you ever just said, okay, I'm not thinking about that anymore. <laughs> and it worked. So they're promising states of being. They're not talking to you about something they 
hoped for. They're talking about an experience they had. And when you're in the room, and I know you're having it, I know how agitated you were as we went through the process. When you're there, you may not know, but I know, dude, can't you feel the peace? There's no conflict in you. Have you, anyone told you that about you? Yeah. I've had guys I knew for years go, dude, whatever you're doing, keep doing it, because it's easier to be around you. The slowest thing in the world is a tweaker in a hurry, right? They know. So, true? So we can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us, and we begin to feel the nearness of our creator. Now, that doesn't mean anything to those of you who are religious, and you've gone and worshipped, and you felt the power of the Spirit, and you felt the fire of God rain down, but atheists or agnostics pronounced God does not exist or God cannot be proven to exist, began to feel the nearness of their creator. And at that point, whoever was helping them said, that, that's the power we call God. We owe them that explanation so they can wake up to their inner being. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. That's what they promised us in three. The person who does not know their identity, you were sent to them to introduce them to who they are and whose they are. Yes? Okay. And in that, you'll find your healing. Okay. So the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. How many of you had that happen? I'm good. How many of you misperceived the moment? Because this is just a launching point in a new manner of living. So what Dr. Bob's, not Dr. Bob, Bill's 12 and 12 says, this is the, this is the step separates the men from the boys. Because now the truth about me has been revealed. The truth, who I am and whose I am, but also what I was like and what I need to do to amend it and get my healing. Right? So the third one was blind, now I can see. And then I'm going to have to walk it out. And the people that you try and help of his power, they're going to be the ones that the healing they need is going to flow through you. They're going to provide your freedom. Right? They're the, they're the stones in our foundation. What you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do unto me, he said. Okay. So we feel that we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. That sounds a little... Right? But how many of you have noticed as you got more and more free of your thoughts that you felt less of a need to be perfect? You weren't walking on a tightrope all the time. It was okay to be authentic. We celebrate as a core value here at New Freedom, so you know, authenticity. Whatever you did can go on your resume here. Felony? <laughs> Check. <laughs> Drug addict? Check. <laughs> it's a broad highway when you can be who you are. Okay. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. How many of you recognize from your early day or days that being quiet for an hour is like, doesn't seem like much, but it is ridiculously complex? 
but it's essential that we start finding a time in the moment to contemplate what we've discovered, right? And who we've been introduced to, yeah? So then they talk to us about carefully reviewing what we've done. What have we done? I've tried, I've tried to tell my story to the best of my ability to this person, and now I've done this, and I've been assigned to go back and review it, contemplate it, and then reach back out in an hour and see if I'm ready to proceed. Make sense? Okay. So then it says we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. How many of you as atheists or agnostics get introduced to the power and you've got that flow of the spirit and yet this is the first honest prayer you ever said because now you knew what people were talking about. Because I don't have to know the theology to know I've been encountered. Ebby was what, two months sober? But he was so profoundly filled with presence that Bill couldn't describe it, but it knocked him back even though he was drunk. He said, there's something about his eyes. He stood there fresh-skinned and glowing. We're talking about a, a drinking buddy, man. That's a weird description. Something profound happened, right? Okay, so taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Okay, so where we go, I've got the facts, right? I, I know what I was like, I know what's happened, and I've got myself an ideal for what I'd like to be in the future. Yeah? Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, so this is what my contemplation's about. I'm going to have to go back, we'll do that in a minute. For we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last, so I'm not trying to just not use. I'm trying to get free of me, so I'm free to be me. Okay? So is our work solid so far? What did I hold back? What am I afraid to say? How many of you did not get this freedom experience, but you held nothing back? That happens. That happens. Well, so we'll talk about that too. Okay? So are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So let's go to 58. 59. 59. That's a good thing you're here. <laughs> I get in the neighborhood every time, but for years he's had to get me dialed in. So the first five proposals. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol dash. So one thing at a time. Powerless win. That pretty much sums up my life when I'm drinking and when I'm not drinking. <laughs> so that's a hell of an admission because we don't believe it, right? We go to rooms and people profess, I don't pick up no matter what. <laughs> really? Gee, I pick up no matter what. <laughs> tell me, tell me about this don't pick up plan. So those are people that are not doing the steps. I'm not in charge of pick up or not pick up if this is true. Okay. And then it says that our lives had become unmanageable. How many of you thought your life became unmanageable because you drank with vigor? See, that's a separate idea, right? How many of you got some sober time and then returned to drinking and realized that your drinking and drug use, although a problem, was not the main problem? There was an underlying condition, and the steps start to reveal that to us, yeah? Okay. 
So let's take a look at page 52 just for a second because they talk to us a little bit about that condition that I'm trying to manage with chemical solutions, right? I was managing my spiritual malady with a spiritual solution that was synthetic, okay? And so it said we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. How many of you discovered that? How many of you figured out, you know, I have trouble in personal relationships. I'm going to isolate. How many of you got all by yourself? How many of you still had trouble with personal relationships? <laughs> now we really know the main problem centers here. See, I brought them all in here with me in my isolation port. It's really crowded. We couldn't control our emotional natures. How many had that happen? Did anyone ever tell you you weren't designed to control your emotional nature? Self-control is a, a divine attribute. You're going to have to know who you are and whose you are before you gain what the world calls self-control. You're supposed to experience your emotional nature. How many denied the experience of your emotional nature? That don't bother me. <laughs> Freaking dying inside. I ain't afraid of nothing. <laughs> Hit somebody. I don't know who's got it. So we weren't designed to control our emotional nature. We were designed to experience our emotional nature so that we could learn to discern what burdens we should be carrying for our brothers and sisters. And if we pay attention to what's going on within us and we discipline our thoughts, we'll now know how to help. These are really profound instructions based on an experience they had, and it's a shame that people don't internalize what they've taught us if we just read their experience and then go out and apply it, right? Um, it says that, that we were prey to misery and depression. How many discovered that after you sobered up? Is this really all there is? How many of you never had a drug problem and had the experience of life showing up, and you thought, is this really all there is? Because human beings are dependent by nature. And the world fools us into thinking that something out there is going to fill the emptiness in me. And that is a lie. It's not going to do it. Right? How many of you said, when that happens, I'll be happy? And then like the horse chasing a carrot on a stick, some bitch is just out there. Okay, so you're, you're with me. Um, we had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Then they asked the question, was not a solution of these benevolence more important than whether we would see newsreels of lunar flight? So let's leave the world for another moment. And let's, if I could just quit having to medicate my way into happiness, this false idea of happiness because I'm on some synthetic spirit, if I could just gain access to this power they're speaking of, perhaps I could get free and it would be okay to be who I am. Yeah? So we're, we're at those things, that's unmanageability, and then we came to believe in step two from page 59, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. What is insanity? 
Yeah, I know over the years we've said things like doing the same thing, expecting a different result, and it seems harmless enough, but how many of you as addicts of the hopeless variety, alcoholics of the hopeless variety, discovered that you did the same thing with no expectation of a different result? <laughs> this is going to suck. Watch. <laughs> so it may be applicable to normal people, but in our rooms, it's a lack of proportion. I think temporary release from this storm I'm in is worth a lifetime of storm because I lack perspective. And then I get the inability to think clearly, the other thing they told us about, right? Okay, so then it told me the power was found within me and it's only there that he may be found. And then they said, join us if you will, right? They, they encouraged me to make a decision. And it says, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. We're not we. That's been taught badly over the years, and they, they said it means a God of your understanding. Nope, it means a God of their understanding, and they told you how they understood him. Even though half of them were atheists or agnostics in the beginning, they were profoundly changed by the experience of God, not a theology. Religious people call it relationship, not religion. Does it make sense? So God, as you understand him, has got no bearing on me. What I want to know is, why was Bill, the pronounced atheist, so radically changed? Wind blowing through him like a cool breeze on a mountaintop. Revelations of his father or his grandfather's good nature. The profound experience that he'd had in the churchyard before he went to war and then it thrust back on him and he's like the real significance of my experience in the graveyard burst upon me because I was looking at a gravestone of a soldier who'd survived war and drank himself to death and I'm a soldier who survived war and drank myself to death but here I am and God's here with me now yeah that's God as he understood him that's not a fucking chair or a light bulb or a keto or whatever silliness. It's not a group of drunks. We love groups of drunks, but that's not who God is. Right? Okay. So we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, and then we got to five. We admitted to God the power within us, to ourselves, while we're down there copping to God, we might as well just wake up a little, right? <laughs> and to another human being who reflects non-judgment. Make sense? And that leads us to page 76. Almost sounds like a song, doesn't it? Not really. <laughs> Not unless you're in this head, and that's... Um, I can hear two or three to tunes, right? Where's Wayne? Where's this? this is time for show tunes. Okay, Wayne, Wayne bursts out in show tunes frequently, and it is to my great amusement that he does so. Um, so page 76, if we can answer to our satisfaction, then we look at step six. Notice how this isn't answering to my sponsor's satisfaction, my halfway house manager's satisfaction, my fellowships. I need to answer to my satisfaction. Have I done what I can do at this point, and am I now ready to move forward in this new manner of living that you've described based on my observed witness of what it's done for you? Right. Not what you've said, but what I can see. 
Okay? So we've emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Have you ever been told you weren't willing? The reason we're not willing is willingness is divine power. So I'm going to need a power greater than myself in order to outgrow fear, and I'm going to have to summon that willingness from a source greater than me. It's just the way it works. How many of you had a great desire to stop using, could manifest no outwardly action to show it? And then what happened? So all of a sudden you were able to do or willing to do things you weren't. And you go, I got it. Why didn't you get it three houses in a marriage ago? <laughs> three marriages in a house? What did I get, what did I get wrong? <laughs> That's why there were no houses. Um, <laughs> okay. So, have we, or what did I do? Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we've admitted are objectionable? It's interesting, this book, a lot of times people think, I can't do the steps out of the big, big book because I need the explanation in the 12 and 12. And I suggest, guys, it's just because you're, you're not being shown how to experience the book. They already told us how it works. And, and now I've, I've done what is in the first part of the process, and now it's all about contemplating what the amended life looks like, and 12 is the big amends. And that's going to take power because there's things out there I fear and there's things out there I do not know, right? So the instruction is let God. It's not work on your character defects and all the silly things. Dude, I've been working on them, polishing them up all my life. I don't even know what they are. I thought they were assets. <laughs> right? So the idea is if I'm willing to let God take them, then I power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. I'm going to grow in consciousness, and I'm going to be led to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Starting to make sense now, huh? Okay. So can he now take them all, every one? Why did they ask me that a second time? Because I'll cop to anything if I think it'll get me out of some shit. <laughs> but this is going to imply action on my part. Right? They're just telling me who I am based on who they are. That's all. See, I, this book isn't how y'all ought to behave. This is a book on how if I will try and behave, it won't bother me so much how y'all behave. And then it makes me a more effective witness, and maybe some people get well as a result. That's it. Okay. So, when ready, we say something like, oh, I'm sorry, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. So now they're telling us clearly that willingness is divine power. I just talked to someone the other night and said, I really want to quit smoking, but the truth is I don't want to quit smoking. <laughs> I said, okay. So here's what we do in recovery. We get honest with the fact that I need to quit smoking. I think I want to quit smoking, but I really don't want to quit smoking, so I'm going to ask God for willingness. And then we ask until it comes. Not one and done. I didn't do my addiction one and done. None of them. So I'm going to have to keep asking until it comes. Okay? All right. So when ready, we say something like this, my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defective character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. 
Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. I call to your attention that they do not say that at three. Some, remember some alcoholic did that. Put the amen at three. That was only half the prayer. God doesn't make too hard terms to those who earnestly seek. I can't earnestly seek till I've seen the whole story. So now that I know the truth, my eyes are open. Some of you are students of that other book on the road to Damascus. He was struck blind. And he said, what do you, who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? That's how we come in addiction. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? And then we participate in that. We take a look at it. The scales fall from our eyes. And now we can get honest about how much power I need to go be different than I am. Does it make sense? All right. Then we have completed step seven. Thank you very much. We'll do it again next week.